Tom Panos, John McGrath, we are here for Million Dollar Agent. Johnny, good afternoon. How are you going? Hi, Tommy. Very, very well. Very well. We were just talking about the Apple Watch off, and it's interesting. I'm interested to see if our listeners use the Apple Watch, but you're telling me it's just a sensational business tool, right? Yeah, so they, they made a – John, I think they made a shift. So I bought Apple Watch 1 three, four years ago, and mm-hmm. I just didn't use it much. And then about two years ago, when the functionality came available where you don't need to have your mobile with you, so what I didn't mention to you off camera, John, is definitely get the watch with the inbuilt SIM card. That's critical. Okay. Because you get you get two options. Option is with a SIM card or without a SIM card. Where I think it sort of became a game changer is when it started to act independently from your mobile phone. So uh, you can actually go yeah. to places, you know, if you, and I know that you're, you're a bit like me and that you don't necessarily carry a lot of cash on you. Having your watch yeah. on you means whether you're p- paying for car park meters or paying for a coffee, all you need is your watch, you know? It's funny, Tom, because where I saw it, I was watching, I think it was a TikTok or a YouTube or something, and it was just there was an entrepreneur and she was very successful from memory. She had a ten million dollar startup, and she said, "You know, these are five business tools I can't live without." And one of them was the Apple Watch. I just remembered where I saw it, and I just think for all our listeners, you know, there are gimmicks, but there's also a lot of tools out there that are really useful. Some of them are apps, and some of them are actually, you know, pieces of technology like the the Apple i iWatch. Uh, is that what it's called? iWatch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, I think it's 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 worth it, and you know I, I've looked at apps, and sometimes you have you know you look at it, it says oh gee this app is forty five dollars, and you think that sounds a lot, but then I think oh, hang on, if it saves me one hour, like it's paid for itself ten times over really in in an industry where dollar productivity, as long as you don't get addicted to gimmicks, but in an industry where dollar productivity is is just critical, as Dr. Fred has taught us all over the years. Um, any piece of technology that makes you more dollar productive is probably worth the investment. So yeah, I think I'm going to uh, launch into the uh, the iWatch space, and I'll, uh, I'll let you know how it goes. Now, Johnny, whilst we're talking about efficiencies and technology and things that make a difference, it'll be remiss. I've got to say to you, Asana, which we've now been using for three months, and by the way, the best thing about it is it's free. Asana, yep. A-S-A-N-A, is just been the best thing that I've done in terms of a to-do list and making sure people do stuff and making sure I do stuff. Just adore it, John. Just adore. It's like a project manage- management tool, isn't it, from memory? Correct. It's a project management tool and it also is your own to-do list. So what actually happens is every time you enter something, it just says, who's doing it? I press me or Susan or Judith or Sula. It's got their names next to it. And without trying to micromanage, I mean, it's just useful knowing that I can go back at the end of the day and say, hang on a second, you know, Sula was doing this, Susan was doing this, Judith was doing this, Minx was doing this. And I can see the tasks that I've assigned 
And it also allows them to assign tasks to me. Now, you could turn around and say, hey, oh, you could do that with an email. You can do that with an SMS. Well, I've got to tell you, John, there's something good about it all being closed in an ecosystem where you can yeah. see everything that needs to be done without the distraction of every possible other SMS and email that you get. I'm disappointed, though, that it's not designed for micromanagement, which is my forte, micromanagement. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, nonetheless, I'm sure there'll be something in there. I'll investigate that too, micromanagement. I don't know, John. It might make you a hyper micromanager. I'm not quite sure. Check it all out. But, but John, you sent you sent me a really good title for this week's uh, podcast. Um, in quotation marks, lack of stuff, lack of stock, lack of motivation. How to fix these two major hacks in real estate? I love it because I actually think to myself, if people had a motivation cure, and if they had a cure for lack of stock, man, I reckon everyone will be pumped. Everyone will be rich. Everyone would be happy. So I'd love it's to. A, exactly. Yeah, look, look. I think and they're clearly they're, they're interconnected. I think if, if your motivation is on a low ebb for the time being, then you've probably got lack of stock. Um, so I think they're, they're connected. But the other two things, Tom, you and I coach a lot. We do groups. We do one-on-ones. And that's probably the things I hear by someone said, do you ever get, do you ever feel really down, like you sort of, you know, lost the eye of the tiger and so forth? And to which my answer is absolutely. I mean, in a real world, you, I, I haven't found a way to be 100% motivated 24-7. You have, you have, you know, great days and good days and occasionally you have down days. I, I think the key is is not never having a bad moment, hour or day or even a couple of days. It's really just sort of snapping out of it. So I thought it'd be a good topic to talk about you know, what do you do when you feel like that? Because I had a coaching session earlier this week with a really good guy, and that was one of his things. And the second thing I find most agents, that if they're not shooting the lights out, um, it, it comes down to stock. You look at their, their pipeline that's normally small, and you look at their current stock, and it's small. So I thought if we could chat for a few minutes on those two subjects, hopefully, you know, the listeners will get something out of that. Beautiful. So, John, let's start off with the uh, lack of motivation. Since it was something that you did a bit of coaching on, uh, tell me your yeah. thoughts. So, Martha, when, when I was chatting to this particular chap, um, Tommy, you know, I was sort of saying, you know, what, what are your goals? And he said, well, you know, I wanted to, you know, buy a house and I've done that. And then I wanted to pay my mortgage down on a manageable level and I've done that. And he said, you know, I've got my kids through school. So what, what it was saying to me was, in his instance, he had achieved, you know, once upon a time, he sounded like he had, he had absolute aspiration and he wanted to achieve all these things, probably had a great goals list, probably even had a vision board. And then something happened, and the good news is he probably achieved all of them, but the problem is he hadn't clearly reset the goals. And the metaphor I used with him, Tom, is I said, you know, your goals um, and, and the, the level of your performance is a bit like a thermostat. You set it on the wall, and if you actually hit it um, and you haven't reset it to a higher temperature, you're going to start just stopping at that level. And some people use the metaphor of cruise control in the car. You get to it, you get up to a certain speed, and then it sort of plateaus out. So, you know, I said to him, you know, what are some of the things, I said, if you'd worded 2X, what are some of the things you would do with the extra cash? Because clearly 2X should deliver you a much higher profit margin. And he started, you know, telling me some things. And I could see there was a shift in energy. And I said, well, you know, have you ever thought about getting a getaway? He said, yeah, you know, I've talked to my, my spouse about, you know, getting something an hour or so out of the city. I said, okay, and what would it look like? And would it be on the beach or would it be in the country? And I started sort of taking him to a potential future reality. And I saw in that moment a shift. So it was clear to me 
that well done. He'd achieved his previous goals, but unfortunately he hadn't reset the benchmark or the targets to a new level. So I think the first thing, if you're lacking motivation, uh, and often lacking energy comes with that, is if you haven't reset yourself to think bigger. Because if you're stretching for something meaningful and exciting, you will then be laser focused. And the other thing Tom people say to me is, oh, I get distracted all the time, you know, and I jump on social media and I look at the newspaper or I look at the website or whatever. And again, if, if you are really focused on things that are exciting and you've got lots of business coming in and you've got meaningful activities, and as well, Tom, not just goals like cars and holidays and things, which are fine also, but you know, things about contribution. I mean, being an inspiration, and I said to him, he's got a couple of kids, I said, you know, the greatest goal of all surely must be to be an inspiration for your kids. I said, don't worry about the BMW or the Mercedes on their 21st birthday. That, that pales into insignificance about being an inspiring parent that they can follow. So, you know, goals can come in all shapes and sizes and forms and tangible and intangible and, you know, sort of um, things which are wonderful for you or things which are great for your community. Uh, so I, I think that's probably one of the parts of it. Uh, second thing I said to him, Tom, was... Um, Catch up with inspiring people as much as you can. I know myself, if I'm ever a bit flat and I have a coffee with someone like yourself or a lot of the great people that you and I you know, get the, have, have the great pleasure of having in our sort of network, and, and all of a sudden, you know, just being around them, their energy, and they'll often say, hey, man, what's up? You're a bit flat. I'll say, yeah. So, and then they kind of, they'll say a few words, and all of a sudden, bang, in the instant, that instant, you can pick your energy back up and just get back into that. So I think reality is no matter how inspired you are, there's always going to be times when, you know, you, you do go a little bit flat. So I would really have, and Dr. Fred used to say to me, you know, on the wall it says, in case of emergency, break glass. There's a red button. You know, if there's a fire, you hit the glass and hit the red button. And he said, well, I want to be your red button. I want to be the person that if you're flat or if you've got a problem or if you've got a personal challenge, just pick up the phone and ring me. So we all need a few people like that, whether they're a mentor or a coach or somebody you pay. Um, but I think it's really important to have those sort of people. John, I, I mean, that is really both those points that you've mentioned. I mean, I can relate to it because as you started this podcast and I get asked, I get asked, it's funny, John, because sometimes when you're positioned as a trainer or coach or in the personal development business, one of the things that you're often asked is, how do you stay motivated? How are you pumped all the time? So there's this perception from people because yeah. they see you in that in in that frame all the time, and you've got to say it to them lightly because you don't want to disappoint them too much. And you know you, you're mindful that they've got this belief that you know you're a person that is able to handle all difficult situations. But the truth is. There are some days that aren't great days. There are some mornings you're more pumped than others. I can't, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think sleep's got a lot to do with it. I think various mm. situations that might have happened um, uh, all contributors towards it. But, um, John, I think what came out of that is that, hey, factor in that there is going to be some days that are going to be tens and there are going to be some days that are sevens, but, you know, for God's sake, don't make a bad day look like a bad year, you know, like you've got to, you've got to factor in that um, these things are going to happen. And the second thing that you talked about, it's funny that you say it, I just left, by accident, I found a parking spot outside Crown Street City Gym. Do you know that gym there, mm -hmm. John? 
I'm, yeah, I wasn't going to do for you. So I've got a cast spot. I was seeing someone. So then I, I sit down and I recognise a guy that my friend said, this guy's the owner. He's a Greek guy called Billy. He's only owned it for a short period of time. He sits down and I'm having a chat. And, John, he bought the gym three years ago and he starts telling me, these are the plans I've got. You know, I've been working here for a long time. I've bought it. And I don't know what it is. It's like electricity. When someone's pumped and energised and optimistic and they're planning to have, you know, a future a lot bigger than what they've had in the past, it seems to rub off on you. You know, you just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree. That, that That's why having a number of those people on your speed dial and just, you know, in your general space that you operate and and the opposite to that, Tommy, as you and I both know, is getting rid of the people out that bring you down. Sometimes you'll go and you will be in a, in a positive state and you'll say, look, I'm really excited about that. And then you have someone, they come in, yeah, but haven't you heard that the interest rates are going to go up? And I read on Core Logic that, you know, numbers were going to come down. And it's almost like, oh, my, just get, get out of my energetic space. So I, I think it's important to eliminate the things that pull you down and, and dilute your motivation and increase the velocity on the, the things that are actually taking you to a new level. What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Um, those sort of things to me are really, really critical. So hopefully there's some practical stuff there because I do hear it all the time in coaching. And, um, you know, that's for that one. On the lack of stock side, so, you know, this is the other thing. I think that, you know, clearly you can't solve lack of stock in 24 hours. You know, you really the real question is what were you doing 30, 60, 90 days ago? But you can you can solve your next 30, 60, 90 days by, by really having a good quality prospecting plan. So another guy, a different guy I was coaching about a week ago, and I, was, I had a look at his, his cupboard. It was pretty bare, and I said, look, you know, what's your prospecting plan? And he sort of said to him, well, you know, he gave me a whole bunch of excuses, and I've done a bit, a little bit of this, and I do a couple of door knocks and whatever. He's a fantastic guy, and he's going to be a great agent, but his, his volume of stock was down. And I said, okay, so I'm going to design a game you can win, which I pinched from Pete Fooder at Spurgard Eric. So I said... How many calls or connects a day do you think going forward now can you really do? Don't give me a number that you can't do or you can only do if you've got nothing else on. And he said, I reckon I could do 20 without fail. I said, okay, I think that's a good number. 20 is enough, but it's it's really achievable. So I said, okay, every day I want you to do 20. And I said, at 5 o'clock each day, I want you to text or call me and tell me you did them or you didn't so I can you know hold you accountable and if there was any interesting activity, you know, did you get anyone invited you in? Did you get a buyer appointment? So first day, 5.30, he texted me. He said, awesome day. So I pick up the phone and, and ring him. I said, okay, what happened? He said, I made 22 calls. I said, awesome. You, you did more than we thought. And what was that? He said, I got six appraisals and five buyer appointments off 22 calls. Now, he hadn't been doing any calls. I mean, he had randomly, you know, sort of in a long time before. So he, he actually generated from 22 calls, and it was a very easy project, and I said you can ring a past client, you can ring a centre of influence, you can ring a pipeline, you can ring a red-hot buyer, but someone that's in the market or in your community. And, and so he did it, and he got six appraisals and five buyer appointments. So uh, you know what, what does that mean? It means your strategies don't have to be um, complicated. In fact, shouldn't be complicated. Um, they don't have to take months. They don't have to cost anything. 22 calls cost you, I don't know, what's that cost you, 10 cents a call or something. Yeah, um, and that, that generated a heap of business. Now, oh, now, by the way, he listed one of those properties on the Saturday. We met on the Tuesday, and one of those first six appraisals he listed on the Saturday. So it actually generated him 
a real live high quality piece of stock within five days. So, you know, you just have to get out there and you have to have a number of layers. Now, that's one layer, and obviously, you know, we won't go into all the layers today, but I just want to share with people that you can actually turn it around fairly quickly with some simple activities. Johnny, I, I, it would be remiss of me if I don't add, add two or three things that I've seen agents Please. in the last couple of weeks that have generated appraisals that have led to listing presentations and listings. The first one was a simple strategy of emailing all your database, nothing too salesy, no images, no photos, nothing creative in the subject box. Are you planning to sell in this current boom, in the subject box, nothing else? I love it. Johnny, you won't believe how many emails came back to this agent that sent it. They've probably thinking about it, but we don't know whether we'll buy end up something in this market. There's not a model of stock. He says he couldn't believe the fact that it was so raw gave a really good response. That's the first one. The second one, Johnny, was on social media. Instead of spending all your time trying to convince the whole real estate industry how good you are, why don't you pose a question to your marketplace? And that is, um, you can go to Insta Story, John, and put a poll. Are you living in your dream home? Yes, no. The people that reply no, you then have a second story that says, have you had thoughts of upgrading or downgrading in this marketplace? And the people yep. that say yes, you've got their details. Those details show up as someone that has voted yes. And then you just send them uh, a direct message. And I've had real estate agents tell me they were shocked at how many people participated in it. And then the third one, I had an agent in Melbourne, John. He sold the property. The vendor was over the moon and the vendor said, what can we do for you? He said, look, you're paying me a fee. That's fine. And if you hear of any people in the area that are thinking of selling, let us know. They wrote a letter out to the whole street, the vendors, right? They wrote it out, addressed. Uh, uh, dear neighbour, we've just sold our house at Smith Street. We rarely compliment people, but our home got sold for more than what was quoted when the agent came over, and he was an absolute gem to deal with. The agents asked the vendors if he could use that for promotional purposes, and they said that's why we wrote it. He delivered that letter as a printer to the street and he got four appraisals from people because it was a personalised letter from the vendors. So, John, there are so many things an agent can do to layer traditional calls that they've got on their database, but everything you just spoke about there basically needs just an initiative of someone to get on the phone and do something. If you do something, something happens. If you do nothing, nothing happens, you know? Yeah, and I, I love those things, as you said, Tom. The, the, the one that hit me between the eyes was the first one, which was, are you thinking of selling during the current boom? I mean, that's just such simple language. But it's, if I if that came through on your subject and I wasn't in real estate, I'd be thinking, well, maybe we should be thinking it is a boom. And people have always said you should be selling in a boom. Um, so at least it gets the conversation started. So, look, whether you've been a little bit flat on motivation or a little bit lacking in stock or both, I mean, hopefully over the last 20 minutes we've given you some stuff to get you back to where you should be. Johnny, fantastic. We're going to be back next week and we're going to do a topic, John, that I have been dying to do recently because, you know, Alex Jordan, oh, by the way, John, I did an incredible video with Alex Jordan 
What a, a genius. What a, what a, look, it's the only, it's the, I ended up missing up picking up my daughter because I was so entrapped in this interview listening to him. I mean, th- this guy here does not tell you what he thinks you should hear. He's just telling you exactly what he's doing. And one of the topics he talked about was how to go up to the next price bracket. You know, a lot of agents want to move up the the marketplace to the upper end or the prestige in, in their marketplace. And I know that you've got some strong views and we're going to cover that next week, yeah. John. So uh, yeah, talk- good. just as before you go, where can where can people see your the interview? The interview was with Alex Jordan. Gym. It's in the real estate gym. And oh, okay, it, cool. It's in the, it went. It went for. Uh, it went for forty-five minutes. A class act, and I'm absolutely convinced this guy will finish this financial year at five million GCI and potentially at six million GCI. He's told me that Matty Steinwade's on a good run, and he knows that Steinwade's not going to be easy to um, to uh, to knock over. But uh, he's doing everything he possibly can, and uh, he's just a well, class. You're, you're spot on. You're spot on, Tommy. And I can tell you, just breaking news because I just had a look at the figures for last month. He just did 1.1 million in February, so he's absolutely spot on to do that. Uh, so yeah, and 10x. We talk about 10x when AJ joined us. He was doing around 400k. Uh, I don't take. We don't take any credit. It's all. It's all been him. He was John. He was. We actually went through his numbers. He he was doing three hundred k, Johnny. He was yeah, doing three hundred k. So if you ever want to hear a story about ten x, well, this is actually more than ten x because if he hits six million, it's twenty x. <laughs> As Matty Steinway said, that's that's worth the price of uh, admission alone just to listen to that interview. So I look forward to that, and uh, we'll talk about getting into the upper end of the market next week. And, Johnny, let me give you a stat that's going to knock you off your feet because mm. my cousin Vlad hit me up and he said, hey, I've had, uh, I think he said he, I've had 20,000 downloads on, on his podcast. He does a podcast, which got me thinking, and then I checked it out with Susan. Do you realise, Mr McGrath, that the Million Dollar Agent podcast has had mm. close, close, to, let me just bring it up here because I actually got the figures before. Let me bring it, just bear with me. Here we go. Uh, three, million, 3 million downloads. 3 million wow. downloads of our podcast. 3 million times people have said, you know what, I'm listening to this episode. That's pretty good unless someone has had a lot of time on their hands and it's the same person that's <laughs> Well, I'm delighted, and thanks, Susan, for getting that data. That's really good to know. And uh, so, as AJ would say, let's go to five million. So that'll be next. Go to five million. All right, Johnny. I will see you next week, everyone. Have a great week.